Welcome to the Professional Drinkers Podcast, brought to you by choosesunrise.co.uk. I'm Janet Hadley, and this is for you if you're an HR professional, a business owner, or a leader who'd like to explore the drinking culture in your workplace. I'll bring you lived experience stories, expert views, and tips for creating an alcohol-safe workplace without killing the buzz. Hi, and welcome back to the Professional Drinkers podcast. Um, We've got great guests for you this week. Kerry-Ann Hoffman will be joining us to talk about all things sober inclusive in the workplace um, and her experience of what it was like for her uh, over on the other side of the pond in the States, um, being one of the very, very few people who chose not to drink in her industry. Um, So look forward to hearing a bit more from Kerry. Um, what else is going on for us over here in the UK? It's been a very sad and disappointing week as the Lionesses didn't quite make it to the World Cup champions uh, status. They were runners up, uh, which was such a shame. Um, but my goodness me, what fantastic role models they have been for women all over the country. Um, and actually worldwide, it's just been brilliant to see women out playing football on the world stage. Um, I have been really inspired um, and empowered, actually, by um, what I've seen from the women um, from all over the world uh, during this tournament. I think it's been absolutely fantastic. There's never been a better time to be a woman actually <laughs> um so yeah fantastic and well done lionesses on your silver medal it is very well deserved maybe next time hey <laughs> all those oh so nears as they say um we have got at choose sunrise a whole host of events coming up for you um, in fact we've got so many that i've had to create a new page on the website just to contain them all. I think there's six events coming up on there. So if you want to take a look, you can uh, go to choosesunrise.co.uk and just hit the yellow button at the top. Uh, Join us for a free event. Um, We've got an event with inclusive companies, uh, which is a virtual event on the 7th of September. And then we've got our alcohol safe workplace event, again, a virtual event on the 13th of September both of those you can just join us online for a one hour um hear a bit more about what we're all about and then i'm uh, attending uh, an event that the fsb are running on health and well-being for small business owners that's the federation of small businesses so this one's for you if you run your own business perhaps you're out there alone a lot of the time um and then um i'm going to be doing a, a a joint um, event with a wonderful and inspiring woman who has been a podcast guest. You may remember Michelle Smith, um, who specialises. Uh, she well, she's a by trade. She is an end of life care sort of a palliative care nurse um, who now works supporting people through grief and bereavement. And we're going to be taking a bit of a look at the complex relationship between alcohol and grief, and that's on the third of October at 11am again that's on zoom and then we're back in Leeds city center with the alcohol free um events company and the alcohol free drinks company andy and hannah uh for an in-person teetotal tasting event on the 11th of october at five o'clock uh this is for you if you are an hr well-being or diversity and inclusion professional and you can be in leeds on the 11th of october uh, we would love to see you there Whew, blimey. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks. <laughs> I'm going to be running around all over the place and it's all good. Um, so, yeah, uh, check out this interview with Kerry Ann Hoffman. So welcome to my guest this week, um, Kerry Hoffman. Um, Kerry is self-employed uh, as a kind of project manager and ops manager uh, for her own company, which is so very Kerry. So welcome, Kerry. It's so great to be here, Janet. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. I'm excited too. Um, I think you might be the first guest I've had who has found the podcast as a listener, which is exciting for me. <laughs> um, so, oh, when... I, you know, I am always looking for new podcasts to listen to. I was so excited to find yours. Oh, thank you. That's really nice to hear, uh, and all the way from across the pond as well. So, where are you based, Kerry? I am based in Brooklyn, New York. I was born outside the city, 
Uh, I moved into Manhattan about 16 years ago, um, and now I am a homeowner in Brooklyn. So I oh, will wow. be here for a while. <laughs> you will. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. Um, I was just looking yeah. at flights to New York, wondering if I could make it over in July. Oh, exciting times. Oh, so you never know. Might pretty hot. To. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, might be able to even see you in real life, which would be exciting. Yeah. Um, so do you want to start us off by um, telling us a little bit about your own relationship with alcohol and like how how you've ended up um, saying goodbye to it, shall we say, in the nicest terms? Yeah, so... You know, I, I started drinking in college, which at the time almost seemed late compared to others who started in high school. Uh, but, you know, I, I found drinking. I found a lot of fun in drinking. And mm-hmm. I was in, you know, uh, flip cup tournaments in college, you know, flipping the cups yeah. of beer yeah. uh, <laughs> and and finding ways to incorporate it into my life. And when I moved into New York City in my 20s there were plenty of opportunities to to drink and I just I found as time went on I was drinking almost more and more I I thought you have your fun in college and then maybe you tone it down a notch but I worked in a restaurant for a little bit and ended up loving what I was learning about wine and I got a certificate Mm -hmm. in wine so I became a certified sommelier. I was teaching people about wine. So I was drinking and becoming educated at the same time, which I feel like encouraged me to kind of forge on as a, as a drinker. But there were just so many mornings I would wake up feeling hungover and thinking, is there a point at which I scale back? And what would force me to do that. And if you think of the language I'm using there, it was if I was kind of already recognizing, is this not in my control that I can Mm -hmm. just take a break? What's going to force me to stop? And it was in my mid thirties. I knew uh, some of my friends were having kids and, you know, people make jokes about mommy wine and whatnot, but you know, when you have a kid, you don't want to wake up in the middle of the night with a terrible headache. I'm not planning to have children ever. And so I knew that wasn't going to be my forcing mechanism. And I decided, I think I have to take a look at this because Mm. I may have to tell myself to slow down. And so I read a, I heard about a great book called Sober Curious uh, by Ruby Warrington. And I thought, I'll read this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I am curious about being sober And for some reason, I decided I'll reserve it at the library. I won't spend $9 (laughs) on the book. I'll I'll reserve it at the library. And the library promptly told me that it would be 17 weeks until I could get the book. And I thought, you know, I've been drinking for 16 years. (laughs) I can drink another 17 weeks. Yeah. worry about this there's later. always money for so, wine isn't there there's always right. money for wine but for a book about stopping no book. oh my <laughs> gosh right i could definitely afford it right swap one glass of wine uh so i waited for the book to become available and as soon as i read it i thought oh this all makes sense i can yeah. have so much more time and space and I'm someone as a project manager, I love rules, I love organization, but I knew I wouldn't be able to come up with a complex set of rules of when it was okay to drink, right? That's interesting, yeah. Right, like I know a lot of people that will say, you know, I only drink on Saturdays, I only drink for birthdays, you know, and then you just find yourself constantly on a daily basis making a decision of whether oh. or not to drink yeah and did you try i love efficiency that? yeah did you try that at all yeah because i did yeah oh i i decided exhausting right because what as an efficiency you know expert i yeah. i am always trying to eliminate as many decisions as possible and automate and so i didn't want to have 
a bunch of decisions to make around drinking because that's why I wanted to leave drinking behind, right? Yeah. Should I have yeah. one glass? Should I have two? Should I cancel my class? So I this was the only rule I came up with. I decided that if I quit entirely, I would set myself up to fail because the minute I had a drink, I would say I failed. Yeah. I should just throw this in the trash. So the rule I came up with was that I could have one drink a week. Okay. Yep. That was it. Just one on Fridays. So Fridays, I'd go out to dinner. I'd have one drink. And that, I did that for about six months. Oh, wow. To ease yeah. into it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you know, I I don't think I've come across anyone else who's managed to maintain a one drink rule. Because one drink would be, for me, would have just been pointless. I wanted to drink to a point where I couldn't really think properly anymore, <laughs> to be honest. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's what was appealing about it. The one drink was like having, creating an itch that you'd want to scratch. Like, did you find that or, or were you okay with it? You know, I was surprised at how okay I was with it because... I, I wasn't desperate for Friday to roll around for my one drink, but you know, I'm someone that like, once I create a streak, I want to keep it up. Yeah. So yeah. if I was successful in my one drink, it felt like if I had two the next week, do I have to start back at, at zero? And what was mind blowing to me was when you like drinking and you drink a bottle of wine a night, you, for some reason, I, I personally didn't think, wow, this is a lot of calories. So much wine. <laughs> no. You're like, no, I'm drinking. Who cares? Um, it doesn't count, does it? <laughs> doesn't count. Right. You're like, I'll eat the requisite daily calories. And then the wine is just, it's free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once I took the step back, I, I found myself within the six months that I only had one drink a week without making really any other changes. I lost 12 pounds, which was wow. very appealing. Yeah. Um, and I found that all of a sudden I went from, it's okay to have a bottle of wine. Who cares if that's 600 calories to, do I even want this one glass of wine? Do I even want this 120 yeah. calories? And so I, I spoke to, well, this guy that I used to date recently, uh, we didn't date recently. We spoke recently and okay. <laughs> we actually, uh, we met. We started dating because we met at SantaCon, which is a Santa convention bar crawl, actually. Okay. Um, yep. Years and years ago. <laughs> and so uh, he recently also quit drinking. And I asked him what his favorite non-alcoholic beer was. And he said water as a joke because he said once he quit drinking, he decided that like no liquid calories were worth it. Oh, wow. Like he didn't even want a 70 calorie. I recommended athletic brewing, athletic light, mm. 25 calories, but it's just funny that you just didn't yeah. care at all. And then all of a sudden yeah, yeah. you care. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? It is. It's such a blind spot as a drinker. You do. It, 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 alcohol ends up on this kind of pedestal where it can do no wrong. It's so strange. Yes. It is. It, it's. Mm. And it's only when you stop, yeah. I think, that you see it in a completely different light. Um, and you just think, God, I've been tricked. I've been tricked all this all these years is how I feel. All this time. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to think that uh drinking was good for my diet because if I had a glass of wine in hand, right, then maybe I didn't have a cookie in my hand. Okay. Like, no, yeah. we're just mm. drinking. Mm. Um, and you know, that was, that's not, you know, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that, you <laughs> I know, don't think it is either. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there were so many articles that used to say one glass of wine a day is good for you. Yeah. And that's, first of all, I don't think that's true. And I, I do think the article should say one glass of wine a day won't kill you. But yeah. 
I, I don't think that we should be adding it next to the apple that we're supposed yeah. to have every day as well. Well, there's a lovely saying by an author called Catherine Gray, um, who's a UK author. I don't know if you've read The Unexpected Joy of Being yes. Sober. And in that, Love that book. The, um, article, it, there may be some uh, aspects of red wine, for example, that are good for your health. So there's the, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the bit that's from the outside of the grapes. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, polyphenols, is it? Or something like that. But yes, it has some health yeah. benefits. But it's like eating a burger for the health benefits of the gherkin. It's really just, just have a grape. Why don't you just have some grapes? That's the bit that's good for you. You don't have to ferment them and get ethanol into the equation to get the outside bit of a grape it's just a crazy way of looking at it i love that saying yeah it's this i do (laughs) i love her book and she she one of my favorite uh takeaways from her book was um so i used to work at a company called classpass and classpass allows you to visit several fitness studios all using one app so instead of joining your local gym you know you can book yoga and spin and in the unexpected joy of being sober, she says that once she quit drinking, she no longer late canceled her class oh, pass yeah. class, right? Because yeah, you have yeah. 12 hours to cancel and you get charged a, a fee if you cancel yeah. late. And, you know, that was another part of drinking that was so illogical to me that I would wake up sometimes hungover and then think, but I... I booked this spin class and I have to go and it's better than doing that. My rationale was it's better than lying in bed. And I remember going to the Peloton live studio in New York city. We had had a team outing. We drank all the things. I took a cab to the class because I couldn't walk there. I get out of the cab and step into a pile of dog poo. Oh my god. And then I <laughs> I walked to the studio and was trying to rinse my sneakers, you know, in the yeah. sink, which is disgusting. And then I get onto the bike and in Peloton they you're ranked, right? You can see your oh, score. Yeah. Yeah. And I came in dead last. Oh. I came in actual last because I could barely move my legs. And then when I took a shower, I thought, well, you know what? I went to spin. I still did it. I came. I went yeah. to this class. Yeah. That's more than you can say. And wore, wore that as sort of a badge of honor that I could yeah. still yeah. do it. But yeah. what was I really doing? Like, I was barely <laughs> moving. It's crazy, isn't it? The stories we tell ourselves. I mean, to be fair, that is quite impressive that you made. I think I'd have been home at the the, the first sight of the dog poo. But, you know, uh, it's pretty impressive that you did make it. But, yeah, life can just be so much simpler and easier and more fun without the alcohol in it. Can't it? You could yeah. still have gone on the night out. Uh, left probably a bit earlier just as everyone starts to repeat themselves and tell you the same story and laugh at their own jokes and then yeah be up for that spin class and be smashing it I bet bet that's what you're doing now isn't it (laughs) yeah you know I started when I started to think about maybe not drinking I realized as someone who loves to work out who loves to be active I thought Drinking this much is Mm. like in opposition to these wellness goals. And it's, you know, I hate to say it's, it's off brand, but it just didn't make a lot of sense anymore. And, you know, I remember going to a spin class once it was new year's Eve and it was 9am and the instructor of the class was talking about how we, like all needed to move really fast and get fit that day because we were all going to go out that night and party and get drunk. And I thought, mm-hmm. you're talking to the people who came to a 9 a.m. class on a holiday. Like this is not the group of people yeah. going out tonight until three in the morning. And, yeah. you know, which yeah. um, there's a book I read about um, – well, Aziz Ansari wrote about this kind of before he was in a sort of weird spot with how people perceive him, but he was talking about dating and he said, 
why am I going to the club and staying out late to meet people to date if that's not the kind of person I want to be? Yeah. Shouldn't I meet people yeah. on yeah. Saturday morning at Whole Foods? Because that's where mm. I want to be. And I want to meet yeah. those people. And I wanted to meet the people who were in the spin class in the morning on New Year's Eve, not the people who were stumbling yeah. home at 3 a.m. on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And, and, and it does change, doesn't it? Like, I, for me, I've certainly found that since I ditched, ditched drinking, I almost feel like there's this whole kind of sober um, underworld that I'd never noticed where, like, you get up early and there's loads of other people up early. And you're like, oh, who are all these people? Yes. And they're all doing all these things that you might not have noticed are going on in your neighborhood. <laughs> like much more wholesome things. So, for example, I go cold water swimming now on a Sunday morning in Leeds. Oh, like wow. I had no idea that that was an option for me as a drinker. I would never have noticed it, found it, found that group. Just would have, I would have no idea it existed. And yet here I am in my dry robe early in the morning with all these other women and you know meeting new people having new experiences finding different ways of getting a dopamine hit that isn't going to kill me <laughs> and it's just it's a revelation yeah. it really is it's, um in, in in new york city right they say it's the city that that never sleeps and since the pandemic bars are not open quite as as late but people are still you know out until four in the morning and then on a, on a work day, you know, people, you see the city start to move more around like seven o'clock. And so there's this, there's a sweet spot to me between 5am and 7am where yeah. if you are awake and you are out, like you get the city and, yeah. you know, I have walked across the Manhattan bridge uh, from Brooklyn. That's how I like to get into the city. Sometimes I'll walk across the bridge and yeah. if I go early enough, there's no one else there. And this feeling of I'm in this amazing densely populated city all by myself on this bridge and you know once it's seven o'clock the rest of the world is gonna be out and about and I love I love that I love yeah. feeling like I get access to the city during this this little sweet spot of no one yeah. really you know the the partiers are asleep and the morning people are on their way heading out but yeah. not quite yet yeah, I love that. I love that. I tell you what, if I if I do come to New York in July, I'm going to get up early. <laughs> yes, you can meet I, up at five a.m. Five a.m. You know, Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, I love it. Uh, there's, I'll be there. um, there's a there's a class. There's a studio called Barry's Boot Camp. Um, I'm trying to think if they have one in the UK, but it is all over the globe, and they have five a.m. classes, which is yeah. uncommon for for gyms. Um, yeah. But these 5 a.m. classes, especially in New York, they are particularly busy because there are people who work in finance who have to, you know, for the markets yeah. open. And I used to love when I would sign up for the 5 a.m. class because I would have to leave my apartment at 4.45 a.m. And so you're in your fitness clothes going to the 5 a.m. class, <sighs> but you're walking by all the pizza shops where yeah, all the drunk people yeah. are still yeah. out. Still and, out, yeah. You know. Yeah, like, who do the I worlds want to just be? cross over, pizza? don't they? There's that, just yes, that it's crossover. so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to decide we, which side you want to be on. Yeah, we have a. Do you have Park Run in um, America? No, what's that? So Park Run is a free five um, k run um every saturday oh. morning in a local park and each one is run by volunteers in the local area but it's obviously there's oversight from the park run organization but it's all not for profit and it's all free for at the point of delivery and they're in pretty much every park on a saturday morning in the uk i always go to park run wow. i mean that's nine o'clock but still even at park run occasionally there will be some people sitting on a park bench who have been there <laughs> since you know like out, still out from the night before like just cheering cheering the runners <laughs> it just makes me laugh yes. I'm like oh, that kind of probably would have been me um if I hadn't stopped drinking <laughs> and, yeah I'm glad I'm one of the runners I have to say it does look like a lot more fun yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and I think and this I think science does I mean I read these articles and they they say in terms of sleep right 
it's in an ideal world you should go to sleep around the same time every day and get up around yeah. the same time every day it's good for your body and all that and yeah you know once i quit drinking i thought this is great i can go to bed at 10 most nights i can get up yeah. at 6 most mornings yes. and you don't have yeah. that one night that you stayed up yeah. until 4 and you're spending yeah. like a week trying to figure it yeah. out do you know that's a really good point that is something i'd not thought about but I really do have a regular bedtime now. And I I, yeah. I used to read that advice and think, yeah, but what about Friday? <laughs> it's not going right. to work, is yes. it? Because what about Friday night where I won't be in bed till four in the morning, like you say? Yeah. And and it does. It puts your whole weekend out. It puts, yeah, it probably does take you the best part of the week to recover. And then you just do it all again. Absolute all again. insanity. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad I'm free Never from all catch that. Up. I really am. <laughs> so it's, I wanted it's really to great. Oh god. Yeah, it's different, isn't no, it? That it's was different. It. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah. Um I wanted to ask you um about what it was like for you in your drinking days in the workplace and what role did your jobs or, or your employers have in your drinking behaviors, do you think, looking back on it? You know, looking back, uh my first two tech jobs, drinking was huge you know we yeah. planned especially when i moved into a sales and account management team twice a year we would bring people in from across the us and uh we had a team in london and we yeah. would do these huge outings and you just knew we're going to be out super late the company's paying we're going to drink a ton um yeah. even one year kind of speaking to my own balance I, I was in charge of planning it and we, I actually uh, booked a spin studio and we did a spin class together as a team at five o'clock and then everyone showered and then we drank from, you know, seven until two yeah. in the morning. And it yeah. just, it's, when it comes to planning company events, it, it really is the easiest thing to do at five o'clock is we'll just find a bar we'll get a good deal and people can stand around and drink and you know when I was thinking about different work activities it is really hard to find something that everyone can do and so yeah. when I moved to class pass lots of times we would get together for a workout right which is so i mean there's a fitness company yeah. but if you think about other companies maybe people don't want to work out with their coworkers no. and wear spandex and maybe <laughs> if you um i don't know my husband's planning a laser tag event for his team and yeah. this is a personal thing but i find laser tag vests to be very disgusting and non-sanitary like that would not appeal to me and so trying to find something that every single person would like can do that doesn't have dietary restrictions like how do you find that one thing you're like well if we go to a bar you can have a drink you cannot have a drink and there'll be chips and salsa and that's gluten-free and vegan and vegetarian and and everyone will be happy right and i think what i've learned is that your work environment is typically brings together a diverse group of people with different skill sets and backgrounds. What yeah. are the odds that there is one thing that works for everyone? And maybe we should yeah. stop trying to find the one perfect event, host a workout class, go to that one. If you want, go to the bowling, if you want and go play yeah. disgusting laser tag, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. And, and variety. I think you're absolutely right. I do think that to be truly inclusive, you're going to have to put on events that appeal to different people and that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, they can have yeah. alcohol as an element. And of course there can sometimes be a meetup in the pub, but if there's only ever a meetup in the pub and that's all there is, then you're really on, you're really not, it's not inclusive because you will, almost certainly have someone who's really uncomfortable in the pub for whatever reason it could be a religious reason or it could be that they're in recovery or it could be that you know they don't they just don't drink and so it's boring for them um but it's just yeah. it, it's people 
tend to think that the pub is inclusive, especially drinkers. Drinkers believe that going to the pub is inclusive. And I was guilty of that, as guilty as anyone. Um, I didn't understand that I was being exclusive um, when organising events that were centred around alcohol. I just kind of forgot that some people didn't drink. But when you look at the statistics and you think, well, there is 20% of the population in the UK, of the adult population who don't drink, um, we've got about six and a half percent of people who are vegetarians and two and a half percent who are vegans. And there's no way that we would organize a workplace event that didn't include those people. So why are we ignoring these 20 percent of people who don't drink alcohol? It's, it's a little bit bizarre. Such a blind spot. Yeah, I I went to a, a holiday party at a company and it was at a bar. And when I went up to the bartender, I asked if he had any non-alcoholic beers. And his response was, I'm not sure that's included in your company's drink package. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was a set, you know, well yeah. drinks were included, right? And yeah. my thought was, you're not going to give me this Heineken Zero? Seriously? <laughs> if you're making awful. people expensive yeah. drinks. And also yeah. just please give me this Heineken zero. And if you have to add it to the bill, then, then add it to the bill because yeah. that, you know, you get to a point, I get to a point where sometimes you're like, how much, how much water can I really drink a day? It's yeah, just nice to have yeah. something, something oh, different. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I worked for a B2B gifting company where, you know, companies signed up to have the ease of sending gifts to other companies. And I would be in so many meetings where I would hear people say, you know, oh, let's do a, a gift package with a bottle of wine. You know, who doesn't love a bottle of wine? I don't. Me. <laughs> I don't love a bottle of wine. And, you know, it's it's also, as, as someone who's worked in a restaurant and goes to a lot of restaurants, th that's also the default celebration, right? Or something yeah. goes wrong at a restaurant, like, Here's a glass oh, of oh, yeah. Prosecco, oh, right? Yeah. And... Oh, you've just reminded me of a terrible experience. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I didn't yeah? mean to interrupt you. Oh. Well, I just, I no, went to this, this hotel spa and it was beautiful, absolutely gorgeous venue. Um, there was a mix up. I didn't get the massage I was meant to have. I was a little bit disappointed. And to apologize, they sent a bottle of wine to my table and I was like not only did yeah. I not get the mass massage I don't drink and I don't want this stupid bottle right. of wine I was really annoyed <laughs> it's like you don't yeah I'm not serving me at all you're trying I can see you're trying but this is not good <laughs> yeah I know I mean yeah. it's it's hard because the infrastructure for those businesses to offer something else just isn't there no. yet right no. like what is the equivalent and you know i i had a issue at a hotel recently and they they called and they said you know how can we make it right and so they they offered to send a bottle of wine and i i said you know no i don't want that and then they offered a cheese plate which i guess was better but mm. i also didn't want to sit around in my room and like eat a bunch of cheese and so um i was like how about some fruit can you just send up some fruit I'm like oh that would be we can do that great but yeah it is it yeah it, it is the, the gift you give, yeah. the easy yeah. gift that exactly. you give. And yeah. I don't know what the best replacement is. Cash? No, it's, <laughs> it's like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I would have quite liked to voucher to come back for the massage. Would have probably done the trick, to be honest. Like yes. just a free massage? Yes. Yeah, that would have done it. But yeah, yeah. anyway. Or a cookie, maybe, yeah, for later would be would great. Be yeah. 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 That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Of me. Um, so when you yeah. um, when you do think about like the drinking culture in in the in the workplace, sort of in New York City, what what's it like? Is it still the same? Are things changing, or is is alcohol still really central to um, the office culture? I think I think alcohol still plays a pretty big role, and it is what can draw people in, right? Like come into the office and then afterwards, you know, we'll go out. Um, I recently visited a client's office though, and I saw in their fridge, they had water and then they had this athletic brewing, non-alcoholic beer. I thought, oh, that's, mm. that's great, right? Yeah. That's a great alternative. 
And, you know, I think what's changing a little bit is that people are not going into the office quite as much. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes a little bit less of a desire to kind of be on for much longer than you need yeah. to be, right? Like, do you want to go to the bar from six until whenever? Or can you offer company lunch, right? That's kind of yeah. during the yeah. work day. But, you know, as soon as it's snowing right now, but as soon as the, the sun is out, that's when you start seeing people in their suits at outdoor bars with other colleagues. And, mm. and again, it's just, it's a little bit less of a headache just to organize. We're going to this bar yeah. and we're going to put down a credit card versus we're going to, you know, go bowling. We have to get this yeah. many lanes and whatever the case yeah. Yeah. may be. Yeah. I just, the, the thing that surprises me more is if I were running my own company and maybe I, I went to law school, decided not to practice. My dad was an attorney. I would just think about the liability now, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I just wouldn't want to take on, you know, we live in a place in New York city where no one is driving to their work a happy hour. Yeah. So people yeah. aren't concerned about drinking and drive, drink however yeah. you want, just take an mm. Uber. Um, but if I was running a business, I would not want to be footing the bill for someone to have a bottle of wine and then, you know, yeah. having well, to potentially be liable for the consequences. I, I have to say, I do sometimes think that it's just going to take one sort of no win, no fee solicitor in the UK to pick up on this before we might actually see some serious changes. So an example um, that I know about is a place in Leeds city centre where I live, where they have... Um, I won't name the company, but they've got a bar, like the top floor of their office is a bar. And it's quite normal at four mm. o'clock to go up to the bar and have a drink with colleagues before heading home. They also have an underground car park. Everyone drives there. And so you go from wow. the bar to the car park where somebody recently wrapped the car around a pillar and totaled it. You know, that could easily oh have gosh. been... Um, a much more serious accident out on the road it you know the consequences are, are very chilling um potentially and to what extent would you be able to argue that the employer is liable um in some way like the colleague could argue that they felt pressure because their boss was going to the bar that they had to go to the bar their boss ordered them a large glass of wine when they really only wanted a small glass of wine uh, you know, there's. I think there's real risk there for employers. Um, I, I think that when we look back on it in 50, well, even less, probably 30, 40 years time, we'll think, how did they get away with that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's going to change. And it's, you know, kind of going back to that inclusion piece, you know, there's, there's an episode of Friends from the 90s where Rachel has this new job. And she finds that the the two people that she works with are making all the big decisions when they're outside smoking and she uh, doesn't smoke. Yeah. But she yeah. pretends to smoke. Yes. Because she wants to be out there where the decisions are are being made. And I, you know, younger in my career, I wasn't concerned that if I if I oh, if I stay out, if I don't stay out this late, like big things are going to happen without me and I'm going to miss, you know, the decisions because we weren't really that effective at that hour. But, you know, you want to feel like you're part of the crowd and yeah. it's a, it's an additional way to show up. And I mean, even now, yeah. even if you don't drink and there's a work event, if you're someone who doesn't go to the happy hours or you antisocial, Right. So yeah. you kind of have to go to like show face and show that you care about your job. And you're like, yeah, well, couldn't I yeah. do that by showing up early to get work done instead, maybe? Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? But that culture definitely still exists. And um, I think it's a little bit less prevalent these days. Um, but like in the early 2000s, when I was in my early career, there was such a work hard, play hard culture in the workplace. And you mm -hmm. absolutely had to be part of the play hard bit as well. You couldn't just work hard and go home. 
Um, and uh, I'd probably stop short of saying that the decisions were made in the bar, but there was if if you plotted and correlated the actual data around who went to the bar, how long did they stay, how many drinks did they have, and how many promotions did they get, you would find a pattern. <laughs> and how what happened to the people who didn't drink and didn't go out, just left in the in the more menial jobs, you know, left behind with the careers. I do I, I always remember these two women who worked part-time and did a job share. Um, and they never, ever came out to anything, unsurprisingly, because it was an absolute booze fest and it was the last thing you'd want if you had a, a baby. And they were really competent, really experienced women, far more worthy of a promotion than I was. And I got I got promoted ahead of them. But they were far more worthy of those jobs. Mm. Um, it's wrong, frankly. Um, yes. and it's, yeah, it really it kind of upsets me in retrospect, being a mum now and having experienced um, a certain amount of discrimination or like lack of opportunity as a working mum. I feel really bad that um, I didn't I didn't even notice it, if I'm honest, because that's just how the culture was. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 making up for it now. <laughs> I mean, and it it's. It's amazing that to me, in some ways, I'm not surprised that we had these fun drinking events and everyone had a good time. When I look back, I'm more surprised with how okay we all were with the fact that we were very hungover at work. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if you went out with your coworkers, then you were all there, you were all drinking. Yeah. So it was acceptable for all of you to barely get it together to go. Yeah to work and when I think back on that I think kind of embarrassed by some of the days I showed up yeah. to work yeah in yeah. rough shape and yeah. you know I wonder yeah. now when people work from home they're working from home they're not going out with their coworkers, but if they're still mm. drinking a ton it's a lot easier to yeah. show up at home when you're yeah. hungover than it is it at the really office is. it really really is and um uh, there are so many people who are drinking at home to you know drinking more than they did pre-pandemic and being able to cover it up and being able to you know just have you know all you really need is like between your shoulders and your top of your head isn't it yes. <laughs> and, and right and, and, it, and it's so much easier in two dimensions to pretend you're okay than it is in three day all day long sitting at a desk so yeah absolutely yeah. it's really quite scary it's hard for line managers now to spot if somebody is developing an issue um mm. it's a lot more challenging and i think the advice i always give to my clients is that you need to know your people well enough to know that something is different um and that can be really challenging if you've got new people in your team post pandemic who you perhaps only meeting once a week or something like that you've got to make more effort and you have to spend time getting to know them as people um and the other advice i always give to people is that um try and understand what they do for stress relief so do they have mm. healthy coping mechanisms in place so ask them about you know their hobbies how do they spend their time do they spend time with family do they go running do they play the piano do they you know do they have other things or do they sort of say oh god I can't wait to have a drink on Friday you know I'm not saying that that somebody who who verbalizes that they're looking forward to having a drink is definitely a problem drinker but it is a little right. a little flag if that's coupled with other things such as not having other healthier coping mechanisms it can just be you know just one of the things that you might start to to turn your mind to as a manager is are they really okay are they yeah <laughs> uh, yeah what so, is their definition of fun yeah and exactly. is it just drinking Oh, do you know, that is one of the first questions I ask in my 101 Days to Sober program is what's the last thing you did for fun that didn't involve drinking? People oh, find it a well, tough question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whereas for me, now that I don't drink, um, I could tell you that the last thing I did for fun that didn't involve drinking is, you know, we used to go on more bar crawls, right? Yeah. And try different spots for drinking. Um, and then that kind of tr 
I've always done a version of that that's actually not related to booze. It's related to food and going on a food crawl. And now that's kind of all yes. of the crawls I do. And so this uh, past weekend, I surprised my husband with a pizza crawl. Uh, the theme, though, was uh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, so I got us Mario and Luigi costumes, of course. Fantastic. And I only took us to places that were either called Mario's Pizza or Luigi's Pizza. <laughs> and so just like walked in wearing these hats and people kind of looked at us and I say, yeah, we're on a we're on a Mario and Luigi pizza crawl, only going to places called Mario's or Luigi's. And, you know, it was a daytime activity that yeah. was just about eating a lot of pizza. And I love it. There's, yeah. there's so many fun things that you can do that are very similar that yeah you know you can replace replace the bar with yeah. a with a bunch of you know fish and chips places yeah and go on a fish yeah. and chips crawl with a big group of friends i love it i love it i bet you could do ice cream with the mario and luigi as well you know <laughs> so many right there's yeah. there's so many yeah. options and mm. i mean i think i wake up every day the, the biggest difference is for me is i wake up every day and every single hour that is ahead of me feels like an hour that I can do something. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not an hour that, you know, when I when I decided I'm gonna take a step back, maybe I'm gonna quit entirely, you know, my husband said, Do you feel like you're hungover all the time that you can't get anything done? I said, No, it's it's really not that. But you kind of over you you underestimate that when you start to drink, right? You start to wind down one drink. Mm -hmm. You're like slowly winding down. I mean, I would never go out for work drinks and come home and do anything productive. And then even if you just have a few drinks in the morning, it takes you longer to mm -hmm. wind up. And yeah. that's a lot of hours. And yeah. I, I tell people that the, the, the biggest side effect of not drinking that it's a lot to handle sometimes, but it's not negative. It's just, you know, being constantly wound up, right? So <laughs> yeah. like, the world is yeah. your oyster every hour of the day, which is yeah. overwhelming, but it's, it's a great, it's great. You just feel it like, is. oh, I have 16 hours ahead. I can do yeah. anything I want. Yeah. It's just, you're just ready to go at all times. Uh, all anxiety times, yes. is banished. Energy levels are high and you're just ready to take on the world, aren't you? It's incredible what happens yes. to people when they ditch the booze. It really is. I love watching what happens to my clients because they grow and they develop and they take on all these new interests and they you know might start playing a musical instrument or like doing some kind of crafting or like something it's quite often something creative something that they've always said yeah. oh I love doing this but I never had time and and they just produce these amazing pieces of work and like sometimes they write um oh sometimes they travel sometimes they set up their own business it's just amazing it really is incredible but they always do something they always do something yes. that they wouldn't have done and it's brilliant i love it <laughs> yeah i i started when i stopped drinking i started writing more i started building out a brand and you know now i've started my own business i have a decent brand that i'm still trying to build and it's you know because i opened up all of this space right yeah, and yeah i yeah. i use closets as a metaphor a lot because it's this idea of you know whenever you're cleaning out your closet uh which i don't know i'm very organized my closet's not the best but whenever you clean out your closet the goal is to empty everything out reorganize it and then ideally you end up getting a free shelf or drawer because you've, yeah. you've cleaned everything up and you've gained some space. And when I quit drinking, that's exactly what happened. It's like, oh, now I have all these empty drawers that yeah. I can fill with all sorts of things. Yeah. And it can be a lot of things. It can be reading, writing, skiing, surfing, or just existing. But there's this big chunk of space that not only was that, that space taken up by drinking, but it was taken up by thinking about if when how much i'm gonna drink yeah. and it just you know you wake up yeah. every day and you're not it's just off the table which is great yeah, it is it's great yeah it's just peaceful isn't it is there's no decisions to make so about peaceful. drinking it's just not drinking and it's not not a problem it's just 
it's like yeah. a massive relief <laughs> it's just wonderful. exactly yeah you just throw it out yeah, yeah totally agree oh thank you so much kerry now i have to ask you two more questions and i didn't warn okay. you about this so but Great. i think I'm i think ready. you'll be all right um so the first question is easy so where can listeners find out more about the work that you do so listeners can find me at my website which is so very and on instagram at so very so I am so very carry everywhere. I'm so very carry on Instagram, Peloton. If if you need a screen name, my screen name is always so very carry. It has been my screen name since high school. So oh, love that. That's yeah, what I've always been. Fantastic. Okay, should be quite easy to track you down then. Um, and then um, my final final question is: What is your favorite book and why? Wow. Um, I feel like it changes often, but I will I will go with a a classic. My favorite book is Little Women. I oh, have read it great choice <laughs> several times. And I've not seen the newer movie, but I've seen the movie with Winona Ryder. And I I love that book because you're you're hearing so many stories about women and it really highlights how unique and different each woman is. Yeah. And for a book that was written, you know, in the 1800s mm-hmm. to see women organizing as groups, you know, they created that fun newsletter, uh, Joe wants to write, explore the city, right? It just shows mm-hmm. women have been doing amazing, have been capable of doing amazing things for a really, really long time. And so I like to see, those those origins in that book yeah yeah no it's a fantastic book what a great choice I love this question uh and I've got such I mean obviously not obviously but I have read Little Women so it doesn't necessarily have to go on the reading pile the ever-increasing reading pile um but I've had so right, many great book suggestions <laughs> and I love it it's uh it just gives me a little insight into into you know in a different side to the guests so thank you for sharing that with us um Kerry and thank you of for being course. so open and honest with us about your own journey it's been a pleasure to chat to you today well thank you for the discussion it was great to chat with you as well oh thank you so much Kerry for being my guest it really was an absolute pleasure to meet you and I really do wish you the best of luck um you have a sober superpower in your business and I have every confidence that you're going to soar from here and if you want to find more um about Kerry's work you can visit uh so very Kerry s-o-v-e-r-y-k-e-r-r-y so very Kerry dot co um and yeah you can it's fantastic actually I think Kerry is a very talented and very very inspirational young woman so check out her work um that's it from me for this week uh do hope to see you at one of these upcoming events so go and book your place um and i hope to see you there thanks everyone bye-bye if you'd like to learn more about creating an alcohol safe workplace without killing the buzz visit choosesunrise.co.uk and head to the hr services page Let's end the stigma because nobody should feel afraid to ask for help.